Yeah, normalizing the human experience, I think, is something that we say that we want to do, but it's hard to put into action because especially over the course of the past two years, we felt so extremely alone because we've been so isolated. Um, So obviously, you know, being a mental health practitioner, an educator, how have you kind of seen things evolve over the past two years? And what is your perspective on really trying to like educate in new ways around it? It's a twofold question also. Yeah, I think, I think before the pandemic, before there was obviously talk about mental health and it was already growing, but I think having so many people be in isolation and having to face themselves for such a long time definitely made people realize that this is something that they need to attend to. And so I think it's growing. I think people are becoming more open to it. I think people are more open to having conversations about it, to um, noticing, recognizing, and accepting that they too struggle and can struggle. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you know, that something is wrong with you, but rather we're just humans and we're struggling through this. And so And so I think that has been a really big major shift. And I know there's always the critics that say, oh, now, you know, there's too many people talking about this and there's too many people talking about that. Now kids are going to think that they have anxiety or they're going to think that they have depression. And, you know, there's always those critics. But what I always say is like, okay, so having somebody think that, where is the harm in that? Maybe they can talk to a doctor, a therapist, someone about it, and they can get tools because at the end of the day, we will at some point all struggle with those things, anxiety, depression, maybe not to the point of a diagnosis or a disorder, but there's not one single person on this planet that will not at some point experience some sort of challenges with their mental health. So I do think that there's a lot more awareness. Um, And I forgot the second part of your question. The second part was about really how like treating and talking about mental health in terms of education has changed over the past two years um, as a result of what you just said. Well, I mean, we're on TikTok. We're on Instagram. It's not so serious. It's not so, oh my gosh, this is like so serious. There's something wrong with you. Like you're seeing therapists online and people that are talking about mental health in a much more vulnerable, open human way. And um, education isn't like this, like, okay, well, here are the five symptoms of anxiety. And this means that it's like, okay, we're going to make a little meme about it. We're going to add some humor in it. We're going to normalize it. We're going to make it accessible. And it's not just these long videos and textbooks and and books and you know and, and you don't have to have like if you don't have access to uh therapy or to good education then now you have it at your fingertips you know online so i think it's speaking to people um where they're at like where they're at you see different faces different backgrounds um people of different genders sexualities like uh cultures and so it's becoming more accessible to everyone not just those who are privileged to have access to mental health education yeah i am obsessed with that and with that on the note of taking care of ourselves it is water time 
Uh, I have little breaks in my show about every 15 minutes uh, because we like to stay hydrated here. So I love it. Yeah. If you need some water, I always have, you know, you guys are going to eventually see this on the Instagram feed. Actually, maybe, maybe not, but I do, I will admit, I do drink out of plastic water bottles, which is like so bad. I'm trying to kick the habit, but it's just, it's, uh, it's just what I have. So anyway, cheers to whatever you're drinking party people. Oh Yeah. I got my water bottle too. <laughs> so cute. Um, okay, so the next kind of question I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into is what the discourse that you're having with other therapists or mental health educators online that are also content creators and or you know licensed pr- practitioners um, and or you know, different practices and hospitals even or pharma, like what, what is that conversation like? Because like you just said, it is so interesting to provide this access and you're all doing it on this individual level. What's that next step of banding together and also communicating with higher, you know, institution, insurance, um, all of that jazz, like, yeah. Well, I feel like just like I met you on Instagram, I've met some of the most amazing people, therapists on Instagram, on TikTok, and I've become close friends with many of them, therapists. And all of them, all of us kind of fell into that same boat of like, we didn't really intend to have this platform. We have this platform. This is great. Okay, so now what do we do about it? Because we also have to be responsible. We can't just... uh, throw out content out there without really making sure that it's effective. So we talk a lot about like, how can we word this? Like we've given each other tips on, should I say it like this? Should I not say it like that? Um, what's going on in, in, on your feed? <laughs> what's going on in your comment section? Did you, I mean, we get hate too. So like we support each other through that type of hate, but it also like, we're, we're all, I think really eager at the beginning. We were very eager to like, do something about it. Like we have a platform, let's do something about it. Let's hold retreats. Let's hold conferences. Let's do all of these things. And we were meeting, um, a lot more often, but obviously like all of us still work in the industry. None of us have completely like, I mean, maybe there's some people, but for the most part, most of us are still in practice. So I think um, we slowed down a little bit, but the conversations are happening about like, how can we make something out of this? Like, how can we uh, provide more access? Like, can we hold some retreats, some like getaways, some conferences, workshops, things to help people? Um, As far as other practices go, it's like, helping therapists that are not on social media kind of see the benefit of how to use social media to help their clients. So like, we all know that like clients go to work uh, therapy once a week. And then like what happens in between sessions is just as important, if not more important than um, what happens in sessions. So utilizing social media content um, to uh, like, as a, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a, uh, an adjunct or like, like your workout between sessions. So having those types of conversations, doctor's offices, same thing. It's, you know, whenever people ask me, what do you do? I'm always like, do I tell them about both parts of what I do? And I'm like, yeah, of course I should, because then they can utilize that as a resource. So um, I've had people reach out to me, schools, um, like teachers and universities reach out to me and say, can we use your videos in our classrooms? And I'm like, yeah, 
absolutely. So I know that they're being utilized um, in so many different places that I'm probably not even aware of. But um, yes, there's plans to like help and figure it out. But this is so new to all of us that we're like, ah, we don't know. We don't know what to do with it fully just yet. Yeah, I think it's so incredible. And I'm really hopeful that in the near future, and maybe I'm manifesting this, but there could be some kind of, you know, mental health awareness conference specifically for social media where, you know, professionals like yourself, maybe I'll just like make it and like, we'll just be like, you know, the superstars of the show. Um, But we'll we'll just like, (laughs) we'll table that for now. Come to us in like six months and then party people, you'll see, you'll see, you'll be like, oh my gosh, I listened to this and now it's actually happening. Um, But no, because I I have a tendency to like manifest things, but um, yeah, I, I wish that that existed. And I think there are starting to be more conversations internally also aside from social media like workplaces and like the cultures that are happening around student campuses also um Mm -hmm. since tiktok is predominantly filled with a lot of you know younger people do you find that your audience is younger people and or do you make your videos specifically for the younger person or is it you know, more for the older person. Um, I'm just interested in asking you a question based off what the answer is. Yeah. So no, I don't, I think, um, my audience, my analytics tell me that my audience is between ages 18 to 35. So I feel like they're not super young, but, um, I have not ever I'm not a child therapist. So for me, I always tailored my content based on what I know and what I'm good at in my own practice. So I always just kind of tailored it to everyone. I don't use very heavy lingo, therapeutic lingo in my videos on purpose. I try to talk like I would have needed it to understand because um, so, so I guess you could watch it at any age and truly understand what what it means or what it's, you know, get the message or the tip. But, um, but I don't like it when, you know, we're coming up and like saying all of these like very fancy words on social media, because I feel like it's just, it's too, it's too much, you know, you have to like talk like a human being and not like, you know, some, some professional, cause I don't want people to get the feeling of like, I'm bigger, better, higher than you like you are you I am me we're on the same level and so we talk we I just have information that you may not so here it is Um, so yeah I guess not necessarily an age but okay so the question will fit it's good I love that answer too and I couldn't agree more and I think social media is all about seeing the self in the other and really relating to that Mm -hmm. and that's what creates this sense of kind of like oneness um as a I guess as a human uh being on the planet but my question was specifically Mm -hmm. relating to the idea that on college campuses things have been very um challenging for the most part and this might be a generalization but you know with being remote it's either been super super amazing or super super detrimental to a student's mental health 
And I'm wondering if you've seen any, you know, um, or have, because I, I want to make you talk about your patients. That's not happening on this show here. No, no, no. Um, but have you ever <laughs> seen, um, you know, any real instance or do you have any advice for any student that's really struggling, like where to go, what to do, how to know if you're actually struggling? And on top of that, like how to know that you're not alone with that? Well, if you're asking yourself, am I actually struggling? The answer to that is probably a yes. I mean, we're all struggling, right, at some point. And I think you're right. There's some people that it was the best thing ever for them to be remote. And they're like, this is great. I never want to go back to anything. And But even, even, even if you fall into that category, I think after some time, uh, we do start to feel the impacts of the isolation and the loneliness. So check with yourself to see, like, are you living life? Like, do you feel like something is missing? Like, maybe before you went remote, you had more connections with people, not just necessarily just going to school and like sitting in a classroom, but maybe you had more activities, maybe just sometimes just like walking out and getting a coffee on campus, even if you're remote, might feel liberating and freeing and like you're connecting with the world. Um, and that didn't happen for quite some time. So asking yourself, like, do I feel different than than what I felt like before we went remote? Do I feel like I'm missing something? Is there something that would make my life a little bit happier or make me feel a little bit more alive or reduce stress? And can I can I do that? And if you're feeling numb, if you're feeling like you don't even know yourself anymore, you don't even know what's going on, you're having trouble really finding motivation or uh, connecting with others, maybe you've just like started saying, I don't really care to hang out with people. I've kind of gotten used to just being alone or, or at home or working remotely. I would say check in with that because it could be um, just like a response, like a trauma response to what we all experienced. It could be uh, just you got used to it and you think you're used to it, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's what you want. Um, so I think we are all humans that need to connect with other people. So although we have preferences, I think what we went through was so big. Um, I was one of the people that really enjoyed remote work, to be honest with you at the beginning. And, and now I'm noticing, I'm like, oh, wait, I didn't enjoy it as much as I think I did. Because now I feel like I've been like set free out of my cage and I don't want to be home ever at all. But <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you fell into you fall into like a really deep depression. But throughout the depression, I didn't know I was depressed. And a lot of people that I've been talking to didn't know that that's what they were experiencing. They were just like, I just feel meh. I just feel blah. I just feel just normal. Like I don't have many ups and I don't have many downs. And I would say that's something to check in on because that's not how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to have good and bad times. So, right. so that that's what my, like life's my, about. Like, it's about yeah. being dynamic and like having those mm -hmm. moments where you can kind of recover. And like, n I don't think anybody's life story has ever really been exponential like ex exclusively, mm -hmm. right? Like it's kind of like, I always say right, this, it's like right. the stock market. Like if you were to do a graph of your life, it's like up a little, down, okay, mm -hmm. then you go higher, higher, okay, now you go like super low, like so on and so forth. Um, so on the note of that, how have you seen social media play a role in affecting 
mental health um, for individuals. And I want to do this in two parts. The first part of it, I want to tackle for like the average person whose career it is not. And then the second part Mm -hmm. I want to do for like the influencer, Mm -hmm. the content creator, the person who's literally always on their phone. So yeah, let's start with the first one. So for the person that's not an influencer, how has social media impacted their mental health? And that's and like, a, what are you uh, seeing happen? How do you mm-hmm. help them through these self-deprecating thoughts or these comparison moments? Yeah, so obviously there's a lot uh, when it comes to social media, self-esteem, confidence, and like the highlight reel that people choose to share um, versus what's really happening. So I think, you know, when people go online and see somebody's life look perfect um, and their body have like the the normal standards of, of, you know, beauty standards of society and, and think they have to look a certain way, eat certain foods, go to certain places, dress a certain way. I think that has a really profound impact on mental health, especially younger people who uh, think that hey, I'm, I I can't access this. Like, this isn't me. Why can't I look like that? Why can't I have an easy life? Um, people only choose to show what what is good on there. So you start to think that, again, something is wrong with you if you're not able to dress, look, or, or feel a certain way. So I think there's so much um, there. And what I would say is consistently like reminding yourself that nobody's life is what they're showing on social media. Even if you're an influencer that is influencing for positivity, like there's a lot, thankfully, a lot of influencers coming out and and sharing body positivity stuff. And like, this is unfiltered versus filtered. And like, this is what it takes. This is what people are posting versus what the reality is. And I love though, I love that content. But even what they're showing you is still a snippet of their life. It's not their entire life. Nobody has a camera 24-7 following them around. So you don't see every fight they have with their family members or all their insecure moments. And they may share with you about it. But um, at the end of the day, you know, it's not real. So um, I would say, you know, take everything you see with a grain of salt and follow people that uplift you follow the people that are spreading the positive messages and kind of breaking down the what we've been used to for so long and unfollow those that like refuse to be real with you um consistently following people who are uh showing their lives as perfect is inevitably at some point going to make you feel like you're less than less than right right it's also really interesting to see the average person now sometimes not always but a lot of times they'll be like oh I want to be like that influencer or I just wish I could escape Mm -hmm. my nine to five or I just wish that you know I had a bigger apartment or a better wardrobe or a better makeup artist or like whatever and so on and so forth the list does not end um what what is your advice on the subject of comparison, like for that person? I, yeah. Well, it's, it, it's normal for us to, I compare myself all the time. We all compare yeah. ourselves. I don't think you can ever like completely like, yeah. so don't, Guilty. don't be hard on yourself if you're comparing yourself. 
Yeah, we always do it. You know, it's it's hard not to like, it's really hard not to. But my advice for that would be, remember, like we are all so unique. And we are our own worst critics, like 100%. I saw something on TikTok the other day that was like, Oh, that's really true. It, the, the video said, you've only seen yourself in pictures and in mirrors. So you have not seen your little smiles when you're really excited about something. You haven't seen like all of the beautiful parts of yourself that other people get to see. So you're judging yourself based on like these little snippets that you watch or see like every once in a while, but it's not your true essence. So I want to remind you that like there's so much beauty about you that you're not even aware of. Um, And it's not, you know, there's not one way that you have to look or dress or live in a certain environment for you to, you know, be a beautiful person or to be happy or to have it all. So we all want different things. We all have different tastes. And I would say, remind yourself of that. Remind yourself that like, you're probably the one criticizing yourself the most. There's something called the spotlight effect, especially if you struggle with social anxiety, where you think that everyone is looking and like tearing apart every part of you. So like when you look at a picture of yourself, you're automatically gazing directly at the part of you that you're most critical of. You're like, let me see, what's my stomach look like? What does my nose look like? What does my chin look like? Whatever it is that is a part of you that you're critical of, you're going to look at that. And you're assuming that every single other person that's looking at that picture is also looking at that. But that's not the truth. That's what, again, what we call the spotlight effect or in public, like if you walk a certain way, or um, if you have an insecurity, you're constantly trying to hide it. So just remind yourself that that is something that we struggle with, that it has a name, it's so common that it has a name. And that most people are actually more worried about themselves and are so critical of themselves that they're probably not as critical of you as you think. Um, Most people are not thinking about us. They're thinking about themselves. So there's that. Um, And I think another tip, like I said earlier, would be to go through your feed and unfollow everybody that makes you feel less than, makes you feel unworthy, makes you feel like you're not good enough and search and follow people that do uplift you, that do teach you to um, love yourself and to accept yourself for exactly where you are. And I think that's a good thing to do every once in a while, like consistently going through that and, um, you know, cleaning up like a spring cleaning, I guess you could say every so often. often. Yeah, I really love all of that. And I love that you specifically noted the spotlight effect because I feel like so often we when we do criticize ourselves it's like this secret thing like nobody can know my biggest insecurity because maybe then they'll be even meaner about it or they'll point it out more and I will say there are some of those people and I've had that happen once or twice in my life before and it's really not an it's a comfortable Mm -hmm. it's a very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. feeling when you confide in somebody let alone share about your insecurity online like and then they come back and then they use it to hurt you. So um, knowing that you're not alone in that is mm-hmm. huge because – do you know what I'm saying? Like it, it takes a very weird yeah, kind of person yeah. to tear another person down, first of all. Um, but the other yes, thing, like you're yes. saying, with the spotlight effect is this idea kind of to not take anything personally because 
unless it's like, you know, a big situation, but like somebody else's opinion of you is not your business and don't take it personally if somebody looks your way and maybe is staring, but you don't see that behind you there's like something cool happening or maybe there's like a bird of prey like flying through the sky and they're not looking at your forehead. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like that's mm-hmm. like super um, important to think about and chat through. So thank you for highlighting that. It's, it's amazing. Well, somebody, well, somebody that is, that is criticizing you is, is, is more critical of themselves and they're trying, they're criticizing you because they feel like this is the only way they're going to uplift themselves. So they're so hurt that they have to criticize you to feel better about themselves. So it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. Yeah. And I guess that leads into the next part on the social media influencer, um, mm-hmm. the highly, yeah. highly requested uh, topic, I think, is not only balancing social media on online, like, or, or, sorry, let me, let me rephrase. Not only is balancing social media online hard for the average person, but when it becomes your job your life is the work, especially with social media and influencing. Um, Mm -hmm. So since you do this yourself, what do you kind, what does that look like for you? What do you do to make sure that you're taking care of you? Like sitting here having this conversation with me and not necessarily you online. Well, that's a learning progress. (laughs) That's something I'm still learning to do, quite honestly, because you do get sucked into this world. You know, you do get sucked in. Somebody always wants something, Um, whether it's a a partner or like, you know, followers asking questions and you want to make sure that you're, you know, providing because that's what they're following you for. Right. It does become your livelihood. And so um It's it's hard because for a while there, burnout is very real. And I was burnt out for, I would say, for the past like couple of years, especially with the pandemic, I felt like so much pressure, um, especially being a mental health influencer. And people are like, it's hard not to help when you check your DMs and you see people right. asking for desperate help. And I can't, as a licensed professional, respond to my DMs. So I don't. And I have a disclaimer on my profile but, um, but it's still hard. Like sometimes I check and I'm like, Oh man, I need to answer. Like, I wish I could answer. So I'm learning now. So that's why I go to therapy twice a week. I feel like one of my weeks is one of my days a week is venting, just like letting everything out. And then the other day is to like process my trauma and all the stuff I've been through in the past. And I do that. Um, I try to uh, ground myself and like, it's easy to get caught up with the numbers and the vanity metrics and how many views you got, how many likes you got. And like, why don't people like me anymore? Why they like this person more than they like me. So all the comparison stuff we're talking about just takes a different like effect when you're, it's not necessarily about the way you you look, but it's about why am I not as good as this other person? Um, and so I think it's again, grounding, um, yourself and I that's what I'm trying to work on is like grounding myself and be like listen like you can only give what you have available to give to people so if you're feeling burnt out you're gonna end up resenting this you're not going to be able to continue to do it so the best thing to do is not focus on those vanity metrics instead post what content you think will be helpful 
what you would have wanted to hear, what people are asking about. And if it does well, great. And if it doesn't, then it doesn't. And it's there for somebody to see it when they feel they need it. Um, so working on that, I think taking breaks is really important too. Um, I just took like a two and a half week break and went to Spain for two and a half weeks and did not do any work. And it was, I posted on my stories and stuff, but I didn't like, I intentionally did not want to be in the like work mode. So yeah, I was going um, to say, did you have an intention with like, or, you know, inclination to turn your phone on and make a video like while you were like chilling? Because I've found it to be incredibly difficult to shut it off and not think of my life as content. Um, not yeah, think of yeah. my struggle <laughs> as content, not yes, think yes. of sharing my experience at a new doctor as a piece of content, right? I'm not I saying know, I need it. I, and don't get a twisted party, people. I did not go to the doctor to get content. I went to the doctor to get an endoscopy right, and right. To, was put under anesthesia. And then I had to get a bunch of blood work and like all of these medical tests done. So don't get yeah, it twisted. Yeah. But mm-hmm. on that note, like – Literally, you're gonna you're gonna die laughing. I had my phone given back to me, kind of like as I woke up from anesthesia, and the first thing that I did was record myself with my doctor. I said, "Hi everyone, here's me and my doctor. Ha ha ha! Everything went great." And I'm like, "Why did I do that? I should have just." Like, and it was almost to the point where, like, it was funny. And, you know, I'm, like, you know, coming off anesthesia. Anyone coming off anesthesia is a little bit, you know, wacky in their mind, I guess, is the way I'll leave it. But I had this inclination to take a video. Like, that was the first thing I did Mm -hmm. instead of relaxing, instead of, you know, having some apple juice and a saltine and just kind of, like, having my mom with me. Like, it was, like, record you when you're a little goofy with your doctor. Like, what? And you know, the, yeah, the, the cool yeah. thing is my doctor didn't blink twice. He was like, Hey, because I also was very open with him in my initial consultation before he did the procedure of like, look, mm-hmm. I'm a social media influencer. I talk about, and he's like, Oh really? And I'm like, don't worry. Like I don't just post hot photos. I talk about mental health and my chronic illness and the struggle that I have. So when I did mm-hmm. that, I, you know, I think he kind of had this understanding also of like, oh, I understand that, like, this is a career, it's a job, it's not just a hobby, and and you're going to have all these things affect you, including travel, right? Um, mm-hmm. Including, like, the stress of not only having the content seen by hundreds of people, thousands of people, millions of yeah. people, right? Like, yeah. that's yeah. that's mm-hmm. a big thing. Like, as humans, we're not necessarily meant to have that many eyes on us at all times all the time I think doctors hopefully are understanding that a little bit better especially for like younger people who are going in with issues so anyway um my question back to before I did that whole little tangent was did you have an inclination to record any moments or you know, revert back to work and how did you stop yourself or what did you kind of remind yourself like, hi, I deserve this vacation? Well, I, I did record myself because I did that before and in, before I became an influencer, I would record my vacations because I record those for the memories. Like right now I'm watching it back. So 
but I did not, I, I did make a conscious decision to not post content about anxiety, depression, trauma. It was just like, okay, you're going to see what I'm doing just to, if I feel like it, but it was not planned at all in terms of like, I have to record every little thing that I did. So, um, I did intentionally say no. So what I ended up doing was just like recording like videos of myself, like with the selfie camera. Um, and now I'm using those videos to post content about mental health, but I did not do that while, while I was there. It was just kind of like, Hey, I'm eating this delicious soup that I've never tried before. This is amazing. And I, I would do that, but yeah, it's hard. It's really hard because as you, um, I do the same thing. Like I was going through a really difficult time and everything I would go through, like I would have a terrible day. This wasn't like on the trip, but before then I would have like a terrible day where I just wanted to lay in bed and cry. And I would think, Oh my God, I got to pull out my phone and like, talk about this. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, okay, I don't have to, (laughs) like, it's okay if you want to, but like, I don't have to, like, I got, I'm not just an influencer. I'm not just this person. Like, yes, I do post this stuff. And I think the same as you, I imagine you do that because you want to show people they're not alone, that you struggle with your health, that you go to the doctor and it's kind of encouraging. And it's the same for me. It's like, you want to show those parts of yourself, not just because you feel like, oh, I have to, but you want to bring awareness to all this stuff. But at the same time, there's got to be a line where you say today, I'm just a human being and I am not any, anything else. And it's like, okay to not show every part of you. It's okay to, um, and I've honestly been much happier since I've done that. I've, I've backed off. I may have lost some followers. I may have not gotten as much engagement. And at the same time, I'm like, you know what, I'll take that. If it means that my mental health is just slightly better than it was before. before. That gets snaps all around (laughs) and it's time for water because Like that is something I wish so many more influencers knew because they're also so obsessed maybe with the number, maybe with the engagement they're getting, maybe with the amount of views, maybe the fear of quote unquote not getting shadow banned, which by the way, I think is a myth. Hi, readjust your content strategy. Um, Sorry, had to drop that tea. Um, But second to that, (laughs) I, I really think influencers, including myself sometimes, I'm like, if I don't post X amount per week, or if I don't post a reel, or if I don't post, you know, across platforms, um, my content is going to suffer and I'm not going to get more brand deals and therefore I'm not going to monetize as much and therefore Mm -hmm. I'm not a good content creator, right? Like that, Mm -hmm. that was just a spiral that we just did when it's like, hi, you deserve to take some time off from your work so you can go to your doctor's appointments, take care of your mental Mm -hmm. health and realize also that when you're a creator, like you're working Honestly, like I'm not going to call it 24-7, but it is usually 8 a.m. to like 9 or 10 p.m. for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't really take breaks because I will be on a Zoom call with someone. I'll be a guest on someone's podcast. I have my podcast. I'm DMing people. I'm shooting content. I'm scripting content. I'm, you know, editing. I'm opening PR boxes. I mean, there's literally so many different things that go into it where I lose track of time and I think that it's bad for me to just like stop. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, I I don't really have anything to, I guess, ask about that. That's just kind of the situation of what's happening. And yeah. it's yeah. not just me. And, and I also, 
I'm somebody that talks very openly about mental health and body image and chronic illness and what I go through with that. But I still struggle with that. I can't imagine somebody with much, you know, a much more uh, higher engaged audience or somebody also who maybe doesn't have that awareness about their health in the same way that I do in their, their presence online. So, um, yeah, that's what I just wanted to say yeah. on that. And with yeah. that, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm doing, I'm doing some water party people. That's what's happening. Do some water. I'll do the same. <laughs> mm. Honestly, fire. Like I love water. Um, I like Water's a water amazing. girl. Amazing. I like, I've gotten a little bit into soda or like not soda really, but like ginger ale and seltzer since I stopped drinking mm-hmm. alcohol like a little, almost honestly a year and a half ago. Like I officially stopped, which mm-hmm. is kind of crazy. But anyway, wow, wow. yeah, it's been kind of cool to do. Um, and I like really enjoy it just because I have like a lot more control mm-hmm. over my actions I think not that I had a pro- I didn't have a problem before it's more about my actions um in relation to my health because my physical okay, health always okay. suffered with it so you know it was of like course, a wellness decision but um we are coming up on about 52 minutes into the episode so I wanted to ask you a couple last minute questions before we wrap up or ask if there's anything else that you you know wish that our listeners kind of heard about mental health and social media and being mindful online before we close out with one more question amazing yeah I I mean I feel like the only thing is you know just just always remember that what you see online is not the reality that you can slow down that you can take breaks nothing's gonna happen if anything's gonna happen it's probably gonna be positive it's probably gonna be good for your mental health (laughs) And by the way, usually if you take a break, your audience is like, where'd they go? Like, I have FOMO. Like, what are they doing? It's a secret. And then you like post something and they're like, ah, oh my God, you're back. And so the cycle repeats. And also like how, I know you mentioned it briefly, but like, how has your mental health been with the pandemic um, in general and, and, you know, today? my mental health had struggled, suffered a lot. So through the pandemic, initially, I was like, party, we get to stay home. I don't have to leave my house. This is great. An anxiety person, a person with anxiety's dream. Like, it was amazing, right? And then like, as time went on, um, I fell into like a real big depression, because I'm somebody who really enjoys traveling. I enjoy eating. I enjoy spending time with people. I need human connection. And um, I really, like, really, really struggled, which is why I started seeing a therapist. Now I'm getting uh, better. I'm still struggling. I'm still uh, kind of working my way out of it, but I'm making an effort to do the things that I used to do. But my anxiety now has taken a different turn, which is health anxiety like I don't want to get COVID um I haven't yet knock on wood but like I'm just like I'm just like everywhere I go now I'm like everything I touch like it's in my mind so I'm working through that as well um but much better much better since I've started I've taken my social media work and going to coffee shops now instead of like doing it at home so like I'll make an effort to like wake up as if I had a like nine to five get dressed, get ready, take my laptop, take my phone, 
and go to the coffee shop. And just that alone made such a huge difference in my life. Um, just feeling being outside, grabbing coffee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I cannot agree more. I think the moral of the story here is go to therapy. Um, and on that note, just real quick for people that maybe don't have access to going to um, therapy or um, where are, you know, some resources that you would point them to for affordable mental health resources? Well, usually your local mental health association in your state um, will have either free therapy or some sort of um, access to free, like free or reduced price therapy. So if you have insurance, if you do have access to insurance, your insurance typically would cover it too. So check with them about who's in network. But if that's also difficult, obviously there's always the crisis hotlines, which are free. Um, if you, I think that the numbers, you can even text them like 742-742 if you're having like a crisis and need someone to talk to. Um, there's, uh, what, there's a couple of websites. Uh, there's one that I, that I know of that I've used before called open path collective that is reduced price therapy. So every therapist on there, it's a directory of therapy, uh, therapists, sorry. And they, uh, do not charge more than a certain amount, depending on like where you, where you live. So it's like really, really, if it's almost like a copay rather than like a full, wow. Uh, cost. Um, obviously, following uh, social media accounts can be helpful. Reading books, um, uh, therapy books, like uh, seeing what type of what what struggles you're going with, and maybe go through to a bookstore or, or maybe like online, see if you can download them. There's a lot of really cool free books on YouTube, audiobooks um, that you can listen to. And I think uh, it doesn't always have to be in therapy. It's have somebody to talk to, have a friend to talk to, talk to your doctor. But I would say the number one thing to do is definitely reach out to your local, like Google, Google Mental Health Association in whatever state you live in. They usually have a number, reach out to them and see what free uh, resources they might have in your area. Yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. I'm going to link all of that in the show description notes uh, because it is very, very important. And I think access is key, especially because a lot of our listeners are in college or high school and they definitely are maybe scared about asking for it or mm -hmm. simply just can't afford it. So I really appreciate it. And I wanted to ask you one last question before I wrap up this conversation, which is what is your favorite mantra or quote? Ooh, this is recent for me and it's literally just a word and it is surrender. I am someone who has struggled significantly trying to control every little aspect of my life and just struggling. Like, why is this person acting this way towards me? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? And like that constant like struggle and tug has ha had made my life like horrible. And so my new thing, it's like, let it flow, like surrender. So just kind of thinking, taking life as it comes one step at a time. I absolutely love that. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. I can't wait for the people to hear it. The party people, as I like to call them. Um, yeah, and yeah. can you tell everyone where they can find you on socials? Sure. Thank you for having me. And you can find me at 
Micheline.Maloof. So M-I-C-H-E-L-I-N-E dot Maloof, M-A-A-L-O-U-F on TikTok and Instagram. Amazing. Well, again, thank you so much. This has been such an informative and important episode and I can't wait for the people to hear it, as I mentioned before. Um, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week, wherever you're listening from and you tune in next week. So bye everyone.